0: Hey everyone, this is Achuta from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Monday, everybody! Today we are going to take a look at the full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio for all twelve signs. Now, this eclipse came through last night, early into this morning, um, Monday, May 16th. And what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about the signature of this eclipse, kind of remind us of the where we've been and where we're going of this moon cycle overall. And then we are going to take this eclipse through all 12 signs, uh, which you can apply through, you know, you could look at it for, through your, the lens of your rising sign or your sun sign. I always recommend your rising sign because that horoscope will be aligned with the actual positions of your birth chart from the whole sign house point of view, which is what I use in my practice as a Hellenistic astrologer. Okay, well, before we dive into that, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments in the comment section. All of that really helps the channel to grow, so please do that. Don't forget that you can always find a transcript of my daily talks, uh, transcripts on my website, nightlightastrology.com. The new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, starts on June 5th. It is um, getting closer every day. I'm really excited. You can check it out on my website, which is nightlightastrology.com. Go to the courses page, click on the first year courses. You scroll down, you're going to see everything the course includes, there's an FAQ section. Also last Friday, I hosted four alumni plus one of my main staffers, Delia, she's my personal assistant and one of the leaders of the program and lead sort of like a lead staff member of my programs. And we interviewed four of recent graduates from the first year program. So. If you want to hear directly from students and what their experience was like, go back to Friday and check out the live Jupiter and Aries readings plus alumni Q&A video, uh, because there's a lot there that might help you answer questions that you have. Um, the course is uh, starts <clears throat> starts coming up on Sundays, starting June 5th, like we said, and it meets from noon Eastern time until about 230 Uh, Eastern time. It's generally about a two and a half hour long class. Sometimes we go up to three, sometimes as little as two. All of the classes are recorded. If you can't make them live and contained on a website, you have perpetual access to, you can download everything. You can always log in and um, look back over things if you don't want to download it. Uh, So you can take the class at your own pace. There are 12 guest lectures outside of class. There's about eight breakout study sessions led by our tutoring staff. We also have tutoring staff that man, a forum discussion all year round. So you you ask a question, it's gonna be answered within one day. Um, and you can email me with questions anytime throughout the course. So it is a great program. Great for people who want to really take a deep dive into ancient astrology, maybe start a practice of your own, or just take your study and love of astrology to the next level. If you look at the bottom, you'll find the payment options. The early bird payment saves you $500. So be sure to take advantage of that. Uh, you can use that up until the uh, week that class starts. After which point, if you sign up after that, then the payment plan is the, the full price, and that's the only one that's available at that point. Payment plan is nice if you want to stretch it out over 12 months, <clears throat> so that's available for you as well. And then be sure to check out need-based tuition. Um, this is for people who, you know, based on a, an, an accurate and totally honest accounting of what, whatever your budget is, you want to take this astrology class, but you're on a fixed income, and this is you can't afford the full price Then check that out, apply, tell us your situation. We'll see what we can do. We have a limited amount of those available. We still have some left, so be sure to uh, sign up for that if you want. Um, That's also something we offer so that, you know, people who are single parents or, you know, maybe on disability or whatever the case may be can, we make sure no one's ever priced out. So anyway, um, really excited now it's coming down to it. don't forget that the year two and horary classes start June 11th and 12th. In case you are interested in joining those classes as well, you have to be currently enrolled in my first year program or have completed it to join those classes or for horary, you at least need to have a background in traditional astrology. Any questions about any of that, feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Delia, myself, Michelle, some of our staff will be glad to answer your questions. So, I'm really excited to dig into eclipse horoscopes today. Um let's we're going to refresh on, you know, what's been going on. First of all, remember that May 15th the sun is squaring Saturn and on the same day the 15th into the 16th there's a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. So let's go back through that. May 15th the sun squares Saturn and then the evening of the 15th into early morning on the 16th depending on where you live, uh, is the lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Let's take a look at it on the real-time clock before we actually get into the horoscopes today. Um, so <clears throat> here you will see, let me bring up my epic pen. So you'll see right here that the this is Sunday, May 15th. The lunar eclipse in Scorpio is forming. And once it reaches about 24 degrees, that's when it is exact. And that's late on the 15th into the 16th. At the same time, notice that Saturn is squaring the sun. So that is a real conflagration of planetary energies at the same time. It's a very dynamic transit in terms of, okay, look, we've got, you know, it's a T-square basically between a lunar eclipse in Scorpio, the sun in uh, Taurus, excuse me, and Saturn in Aquarius. This is also activating the... Um, the Uranus-Saturn square, which is going to come back by the fall of this year. So we are encountering something that is, it's also a reflect, the cycle reflects the Saturn-Uranus square in an interesting way. Why is that? Because if we go back to the beginning of this cycle, you might remember on April 30th, we had a solar eclipse in Taurus. We did some horoscopes for those as well. And the solar eclipse in Taurus fell very close with into a conjunction with uranus it was applying and moving into the conjunction with uranus at the start of that moon cycle so it's very uranian eclipse and then we have the full moon lunar eclipse it's very saturnine so you've got the start which is uranian and the finish which is saturnine kind of an expansion contraction energy or the excitement of new life and the desire to break the mold followed by this kind of roadblock and gut check That happens here at the full moon. And we explored that at length last week. So I invite you to go back into last week's videos to look over some of what we were saying about the sun and Saturn alongside of the lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Go back and watch that video. It's going to give you a lot more information um, that I'm not going to go back over today. But this is just kind of, again, just sort of a recap so that you have a sense of the background of this eclipse. For most of us, the cycle starts off with this promise this kind of revolutionary promise but it ends up by the full moon feeling like there's this kind of like oh wow that was not where i was expecting this was going to go then by the end of the cycle mars and jupiter come back together in aries and it's like you know it's the fire's getting lit again and the next new moon cycle should really show a lot of development and growth Okay, so what we're going to do now is I have some thoughts for all 12 rising signs, just some key phrases and thoughts that I have for each of them based on the whole sign house position that the Scorpio eclipse falls in. Now, you can listen to these based on your sun or your rising sign. Um, Again, I always recommend rising because that's going to align with the whole sign house version of your birth chart, and then the house is the most accurate. That's assuming you use a whole sign house version of your chart if you don't it may not be as accurate and, and I think that's probably why a lot of people end up thinking the sun sign <clears throat> excuse me the sun sign is more accurate really I um I I personally because I use whole sign houses all the time it sort of behooves me to look at the ascendant anyway but let you guys be the judge of that so let's go ahead and put the chart up on the screen <coughs> swallowed water down the wrong tube All right, so we're going to start with Aries, and I'm going to put up some key thoughts for each sign. We're going to start off with Aries, and we're going to talk about Aries experiencing the lunar eclipse in the eighth house. And I put, I wrote down a debt or an old karmic bond that is being released. Why? Because this eclipses have nine to 18 years worth of cycles behind them these are capturing eclipses and full moons and new moons that have been falling in scorpio uh, and Taurus going back 18 years it's kind of it cap it encapsulates a whole 18-year cycle of um uh new and full moons and eventually eclipses falling back in the same signs in the eighth house a place that is associated with debt and bondage both the positive kind and the negative kind let's not Assume that bondage is always negative. In many cases, the things we are bonded to are very good, and sometimes it's bondage in a negative sense. But this is about a bond being released or transformed, maybe a debt being released or transformed, or maybe a new bond being formed, but likely because an old one is being let go of somehow. So that is the key phrase or idea that I have for you right now if you're in Aries. This is what I want you to watch for, and not just now, but in the next, say, two months. Oftentimes with eclipses, you don't really see the result of the eclipse right away. Okay, let's go on to put Taurus on the Ascendant. When we put Taurus on the Ascendant, that same energy is going to uh, fall into the seventh house. The seventh house being a place of pleasure and love, or oftentimes it's associated with relationships. The seventh house by Indian astrologers called the seventh house Kama, which is associated with pleasure, as in the Kama Sutra. But if you are a Taurus rising, then you're talking about a moment of releasing and completion in relationships. Very similar to the eighth house, this eclipse points to the house of the setting sun and a lunar eclipse in Scorpio being the culmination of something that is releasing and completing probably around key relationships in your life. But remember, this could be a key relationship with just about anyone. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a lover uh, or it doesn't have to mean the ending or dissolution of a marriage or romantic relationship. It literally could be the the culmination or completing of any kind of important relationship in your life. And the reason I say that is because the moon and it's when the moon eclipses in the seventh house, it's a bit broader. Like sometimes you'll see a grandparent pass away. <clears throat> sometimes you will see the end of a meaningful relationship that you've done. Uh, you've had in business with someone for a long time. Um, but it's a transformation and a releasing and completing of a key relationship or the change of the nature of a relationship those are the main things that come to my mind for you right now if you're a taurus rising or taurus sun and going to gemini we're looking at now taking this energy of the eclipse and putting into the sixth house which was called the joy of mars the house is called mala fortuna which meant bad fortune it's a place of stressors and work it's a place of sacrifice and service Honestly, many times lunar eclipses in this house tend to be those eclipses that bring mental, emotional, or physical breakdowns, a moment that it requires great sacrifice or compromise, uh, That where there are great demanding stressors or pressures, conflicts that come to the surface seeking resolution. At the same time, this full moon suggests the completion of something. And so even though there may be more of a stressful signature for Gemini's at this eclipse time, you also get the feeling of something that um, falls apart meaningfully and um, provides relief or release because of it. So I'm optimistic that whatever may come up, you will probably feel like a burden is being lessened by the time it's all said and done. Or, or released, maybe is the better word. So, Cancers. Let's go ahead and put Cancer on the Ascendant. If you are a Cancer rising, this is going to fall in your fifth house, which is called the Joy of Venus and the House of Good Fortune. It's a house that is um, associated with pleasurable things. Joy, entertainment, recreation, romance. It's a house associated with children and creativity Well, a lunar eclipse in this house with the south node is not the greatest signature. I've seen it something like this many times, not just a Scorpio eclipse, but many different kinds of lunar eclipses in the fifth house bring sort of like, again, unfortunate events like stressors. And by unfortunate events, I don't mean tragedies. It could be, but probably not. Probably just like more like garden variety or like mid-grade bummers, you know, but Because it's in the house of good fortune, there is some way in which this brings release or relief, a breakthrough uh, relative to your passions and pleasures. So, for example, I have seen many times a person decide that they are not going to drink alcohol anymore when they get a lunar eclipse in the fifth house because they get really sick or they say something that they really wish they wouldn't have or they they reach a, a breakthrough moment. And they have to recalibrate their relationship with joy and pleasure physically. Their desire body is shifting and evolving. This could also be the kind of eclipse that points to big shifts, um, not so easy to deal with around children or your relationship with kids. Sometimes you're even going to see an eclipse here as a surprise you're pregnant or something, you know, kind of difficulty around pregnancy. Not, again, not usually anything tragic, but like, more of a stressful kind of signature around pregnancy. Um, sometimes I have seen, you know, this come up when a person doesn't decides like I'm pregnant, but I don't want to keep it, or something like that. Uh, Trying not to get too dark or heavy, but the other thing would be some release of passion, such that you know a, a creative pathway is being created, a pathway for creative self-expression, but it's hard fought through some kind of emotional catharsis. I look at those kinds of signatures in the fifth for this one as well. <clears throat> All right, let's go along to Leo. Now, if we're putting Leo on the Ascendant, then the eclipse falls into the whole sign fourth house. This would be about an a long old cycle of ancestral karma that's currently blossoming. So you think of home, you think of family, you think of parents, you think of changes around... Uh, the health of family members, you think of moving or relocating, you think of having to um, say goodbye to someone because they're passing in the family. I mean, it can be a little bit like like hard endings around home, family, karma. Also, anything that's shifting or changing about your emotional roots, your emotional sense of rootedness or security and some upheaval that may ultimately provide you with more security, but first you have to sort of walk through the fire of a transformative experience. For example, moving out after dating someone who is emotionally unstable. They have created an environment in which you are, um, you know, not feeling yourself or you're feeling that kind of toxicity. And so you have to break up and that's hard and you have to move and that's hard, but ultimately there's greater stability as a result. So you could see something like that around the topic of emotional security or your rootedness in the world. alright we right, <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and move on to Virgo. So you put Virgo on the Ascendant and now we're looking at uh, this energy coming into the third house. Let me just highlight this really quick here. So it's coming into the third house which is a place that's associated with the mind. So I'll pop this back up. It was kind of covering it up so you couldn't see it. A sickness in the mind or environment exposed. Let's not even say it could be a sickness, but that was the word that came to my mind, but also like shadows, unconscious material, um, darkness, uh, toxicity in the mind or in the environment that's being exposed or dealt with or transformed somehow. Also the need for depth, passion, intensity around speech, communication, and the mind. like This is an eclipse that's very good for going deep, thinking deep thoughts, investigating very deeply into something, and maybe as a result, discovering something that creates a positive change or shift uh, in you emotionally, but also mentally in in terms of the way you perceive and think and um, the way that you... uh, Rationally, r- the, the, perhaps the way that you have been rationalizing something will change. You can't rationalize it any longer. Or perhaps as a result of some new understanding, you're able to now feel like you have a better, um, you're better equipped to deal with something. You have a better rationale with which to approach things. Um, so I like this for mind, speech, and transformation of the mind-body connection, especially as it overflows into your environment. And that's also the kind of thing where influences, looking at positive or negative influences emotionally and physically in your life around you, around family, friends, the past, and, and looking at how those influences are affecting you positively or negatively and making changes based on what's cropping up. It's like something, it's like, it's like figuring out that you have mold in your house. Oh wow that sucks but I'm glad because I you know we were all experiencing symptoms that that mold could be I'm, I'm not trying to be rude but that mold, that mold could be a person or a relationship or a job or but it's it's almost like something in the environment is going to be a tell it's gonna, it's going to give you a sign or a sense of the the change that you maybe need to make all right so that's for my virgos out there Let's look at Libra. So for Libra rising, we're taking the eclipse and we're now placing it into your second house. So I wrote a change around money and resources, income and expenditures. This would be the time where you might sell something or you may decide to uh, close a business or you could, you could be looking at a cycle of investing or um, a cycle of, of, you know, looking at the ways in which you have spent your time or your money or your energy or your resources and realizing, you know, I'm draining it or I, I haven't used the correct strategy or there's a better use of my time or my money or something like that and having to make a change. You could also look at this as there's a long cycle or history around money that's somehow coming full circle right now. And it's possible that that it has Um, it's going to be uh, connected to other people. The reason I say that is remember that the first eclipse was in your eighth house. So for Libras who are creatures of Venus, you know, uh, uh, children of Venus, I should say, creatures of Venus. (laughs) If you're a Libra, you're actually from Venus. You're a creature that lives on Venus. If you're a Libra, you have Venus in the seventh right now in Aries. So, and you had that first eclipse in the eighth. So I also wonder about transformation around money and resources that also take you into the realm of relationships somehow. All right. Now for Scorpios, it's really funny because, you know, it's always interesting when you get to the sign that has the eclipse in their home house. These tend to be some of the more, you know, intense placements for eclipses because an eclipse is now being received on the level of the body. This is the house of the body, the appearance, the physical disposition, and psychological attitude and disposition. So this is the only house that was talked about as both your attitude, psychology, appearance, physicality, health, and vitality. It's, it's kind of the, the house that's just you. So when you get a lunar eclipse here, you're talking about a long cycle of, uh, of eclipses and lunar cycles nine years, 18-year cycles that are now manifesting, uh, probably in a pretty intense way. How am I changing personally? As a person, how am I evolving or growing or transforming? A change of body, a change of mind, a change of attitude or disposition, a change to your physical appearance, something about your psychology has to change, sort of change or die sometimes with Scorpio, right? But again, so you could see this personal change also connected maybe to relationships for Scorpios, since you're a part of that Mars Venus axis that's getting activated, just like Libras. All right, well, let's go on to Sagittarius. Uh, Here we go. So for Sag, we're taking this eclipse and now placing it in the 12th house. And For me, a lunar eclipse in Scorpio in the 12th house is sort of the quintessential understanding something that has lived in the unconscious, but is now making itself seen or known. And this could create quite a breakthrough. You might need to take some time out or away from work or other people. These are some pretty intense energies potentially exposing some pretty deep things and creating a kind of psycho-spiritual breakthrough potentially, which is fantastic. Might be a little heavy though, could be a little bit, you know, like you close friends only, you know, maybe you needed a day or so sometime in the next couple of weeks, just to yourself to spend in sol- quiet time. Um, It doesn't have to be on the day of an eclipse. It can be, you know, in the days that follow, but just... Really listen because there's something that is trying to make its way up and out of a blind spot so that it can be seen, loved, integrated, and it can help you to become more of who you are really here to become. All right. Let's go on to Capricorn. We're going to go ahead and put Capricorn on the Ascendant next. And for Capricorns, the eclipse is coming into the 11th house, place of friends, groups, allies, and the resources of powerful or important people or well-connected people that are conducive to your to the realization of your aspirations, especially publicly, professionally, etc. So with this eclipse, a long cycle of transformation reaching its full blossom moment, with regard to the groups that you belong to, the friends that you trust or rely on, the allies or resources of other people that you rely or depend upon. And it could be that there's a significant change in terms of who or what supports you or who or what you feel aligned with, especially, again, relating to your greater aspirations, uh, needs, long-term dreams and goals, and things like that. So don't be surprised if there's a bit of a, uh, you know, like a that the plates below the surface have been shifting for a while. Don't be surprised if there's a little bit of an earthquake uh, with regard to the sort of social slash professional networks in your life and people that you're connected to, people that you would call your people. Uh, Watch for changes there. All right. Now we're going to put Aquarius on the ascendant. And let's go ahead and, uh, oops, here we go. So with Aquarius on the ascendant, we're now taking that eclipse energy and putting it into the 10th house, the place that is associated with career. So now you're talking about the culmination of a long cycle, nine-year half cycle, 18-year full cycle, at work or with, in regard to your professional life. The full moons tend to be about doors closing, things blossoming, resolving, completing, and then closing. So what cycle is reaching its peak, its moment of resolution and completion right now around work or your professional life? What are you saying, thank you, and now I'm done with? Or what are you recognizing as um, a, a need? I need to change this. I need to do this. I need to study this. I need to, you know, something about the way that you do business, something about what you're doing overall. Maybe I want to change fields or professions. Maybe I'm leaving a job. Maybe there's a transformation within the structure of a company I work for, or there's something changing about my title or position, but this, it has the feeling of a long season or cycle that's coming to fruition and also closing. And with a, you know, the moon in Scorpio is pretty intense. So it could be that it's not an entirely easy transition, but it is a necessary one. You have to trust that for sure. And trusting it doesn't mean that every aspect of it is good or wholesome either. There's lots of crappy things that happen that you don't necessarily have to, you know, like accept or love the crappy part of it. It's just trusting that something, you know, you know it's it's cheesy but true that when a, you know, a, what is it? A door closes, a window opens, something like that. All right. Well, we have one sign left and that is Pisces. And we're going to go ahead and put Pisces on the ascendant here. So, for Pisces, the eclipse is in the ninth house, which is the place of faith, religion, spirituality, mysticism, long journeys. So, I'm thinking about the renewal or transformation of your mind and beliefs, of guiding teachers, mentors, or religious affiliation. So, for example, could your faith be going through a period of testing or crisis Could you be changing allegiances in terms of the kinds of teachers, mentors, or guiding thought or belief structures that are in your life? Maybe there's some meaningful sense of closure or resolution within a religious group or community. Maybe you're having a very powerful religious experience that's painful and heavy and intense, but also deeply transformative and overall will be maybe one of the more positive things that's ever happened. that's what Scorpio eclipses in the ninth can bring. They, For example, I've seen many people go through um, powerful lunar eclipse. I was born under a lunar eclipse in the ninth house, by the way. But powerful lunar eclipses in the ninth house often bring really intense experiences that um, add to your spiritual understanding. And they shape and form it, even though they're they're often hard. So... I want you to think about that and also think about just what's transforming relative to the area of learning, education, travel, uh, travel abroad, foreign places. Maybe there's some, a period of, uh, travel that, uh, is going to commence because something else in your life is resolving itself such that, you know, travel becomes possible again, or maybe you're about to finish a degree, or maybe you're in the process of, uh, you know, taking initiation and, you know, be, or, you know, in the Christian church, you might be getting baptized and, you know, the bhakti tradition, you're receiving a name. So you could see the the full moon blossoming in that house also with the south node as a, some kind of spiritual rite of passage. Uh, so that is what I have today for all of you. I hope that this was helpful and gives you some really good things to think about for this lunar eclipse energy I would love to hear your stories with this one, and we're getting close. After all of these intense transits are coming through, we have more this week to deal with. We've got Mars coming through a conjunction with Neptune to talk about, and a bunch of other stuff too. <coughs> so it's not done quite yet. But when when the dust has settled, we're going to start sharing some stories because we've had a bunch of really big transits. We've got a really good uh, episode of the of the storytelling coming up. You can share your stories using the hashtag using the hashtag grabbed or write to us, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. When you do that, you are, whatever story you share about whatever transit is happening, maybe it's Sun, Square, Saturn, maybe it's the lunar eclipse in Scorpio, maybe it was, you know, Jupiter and Neptune's conjunction a, a few weeks back. Whatever the case may be, if you share it, just know that we may use it in a future storytelling episode. And so don't share anything that you don't want us repeating. But if you prefer to share your story uh, v- via email rather than in the chat box. You can just email us, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. The name for the planets in ancient astrology, but the Indian astrologers was gra were grahas, which among other things means grabbers, to grab, and that's part of what the planets do, um, especially if we are not living a reflective symbolic life, which we will be talking more about this week. There's lots of good things to be meditating on this week with Mars coming into a conjunction with Neptune, with Mercury retrograde, moving backward through its retrograde into a sextile with Jupiter and Aries. Mars is going to change signs later on this month so there's there's so much more to talk about with this the rest of this moon cycle like from the top of this moon cycle going down the hill to the next new moon there is a lot still coming and the very end of the month you've got Venus Square Pluto you've got Mars conjoining Jupiter in, in Aries so power packed at the very end of the month as well. All right well, that's what I've got for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic starts on June 5th. You can check that out on my website, nightlightastrology.com. Be sure to check out the need-based tuition option. if You want to take one of my courses, but it is, uh, for whatever reason, you cannot afford it. All right, that's what I've got for today. I hope you guys have a good one. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye, everyone.